0: I've been in Mexico for the past eight days. I wanted to give you an update on our trip since we are now back. This is episode 134. It's titled, Eight Days in Mexico. You can read everything that I am going to share with you over the next few minutes. If you go to that podcast, episode 134, we had the privilege of going to Mexico to serve Bethel Baptist Church in Alway, Sinaloa. I taught eight times during a four-day conference in the church led by Tappan Horner. I met Tappan Horner through our website. He became a supporting member several years ago. Tappan is from Pennsylvania. He married Denise, who is... From Illinois. They met and graduated at, uh, they met at Bob Jones University and graduated from there. They went to language school to learn Spanish and later landed in Mexico to become full-time lifelong missionaries. I asked Tappan, you going to be buried in Mexico? And, and the answer is yes, He has no desire to leave. God has called them there. God has given them grace there, and they have been serving there for more than two decades. The past 21 years, they've been serving in Alway, Sinaloa, Mexico. Alway is the town. Sinaloa is the state. The church is Bethel Baptist Church. Alway is on the almost on the west coast of Mexico. It's, it would be northwest of Mexico City. It is right across from the tip of Baja, and it's on the main part of Mexico. But as far as geographics, it's, it's right on the tip. If you move right from the Baja, from the tip of the Baja, uh, you will see Alway, some of you may have heard of Sinaloa in the news over the past few years. Sinaloa is may be the drug capital of the entire world. It's most definitely one of the strongest uh, drug cartels uh, in the world. Some of you have heard, of Carlos Guzman, uh, El Chapo. He was arrested a few years ago as he tunneled out of a prison that he was in. He is currently incarcerated again, and uh, he led a drug cartel. And Sinaloa, uh, Kulakan is the town specifically uh, where Guzman was uh, located, and his drug ring is still strong there. And so it is a dangerous part of the country. Uh, We were not in any danger. We stayed with Tappan. His name is Tap, by the way. Everybody calls him Tap. Uh, uh, He led us everywhere we went, we didn't go anywhere. Uh, by ourselves as far as an extended drive or anything like that we didn't want to get we didn't want to go in the wrong places in mexico you'll see a lot of folks on motorcycles and some of those folks i mean they have motorcycles everywhere in alway and other towns that we were in while we were in mexico and tap was telling me that uh, some of those motorcyclists they they work for the drug cartel and they keep an eye they have uh, two-way radios uh, that they, they carry on them and they keep an eye on who's new into town and if they're okay or not because it's a competitive and dangerous environment. So we made sure we were we were uh, locked on TAP's hip wherever we went because I did not want to find myself or my family in one of those places. And so TAP has been at Bethel Baptist Church for over 21 years now. They have their anniversary Every year, they have a conference where somebody comes in and speaks to celebrate the birthday of the church, and this was the conference, and TAP asked me to to go and to speak, and that's what I did. TAP and Denise serve with their son, Brian. They have three sons that are in different places in Mexico, but Brian is in Aue uh, with TAP and Denise, and Brian married Deanna. She's a Mexican lady that Brian met when they were in youth together at Bethel Baptist. They later married, and then Brian went to school and got his degree, and they served together. All four of them served together. In fact, they live pretty much together. Brian and Deanna live in the house that Tapp and Denise bought many years ago, and they renovated the home, and they have a nice home and in our way and then tap uh, built a smaller home behind uh, this house here it's if you see the tv show about little little houses well that's about what tap has they have a very small house, a a living area, a bedroom area, a small kitchen area, and of course a bathroom, and and they live there, and they, they love it. They're minimalist. They're like me. You just don't need much in life, and maybe that's something that you uh, really appreciate as you get older. You just don't want all of this stuff. The gospel is more important, and you want to maximize your time and and taking care of the things of this earth is just not a priority. And Tap is a an, Tap and Denise are amazing people, and they don't want much and they don't have much, but they spend their days serving God and serving this church, Bethel Baptist Church and Alway. Now Tap's going to be giving this church over to Brian. Brian will be leading it and a couple of months, and Tappin and Denise, will they're going to move to another town, and they're going to lead another church. There is a church in this town that's been in existence for a while. It's a pretty good church, pretty good-sized church, and they asked Tapp to come and lead it, and he will do that maybe for a couple of years until they can find a younger pastor who can take over and, and lead it to the next level, whatever that means. But Tap has been going up there about twice a month over the last while teaching, and, and they have a, they've asked him to come and take over the church, and he will. And so Brian will lead Bethel Baptist, the church that tap has been leading for the past two and a half years. And so he asked me to come to Mexico to lead this anniversary conference. Again, it happens every year. And so we left Greenville. South Carolina, where we live, uh, Monday, April the 16th. This is 2018, and we returned eight days later, last night, Monday, April the 23rd. We got in at 8.39 p.m., as I said earlier, and uh, the time difference between uh, Alway, Mexico, Sinaloa, and Greenville, South Carolina is just two hours, and so that's a fantastic trip. Our way would probably, I didn't look at it on the map, but it's probably right under Phoenix, uh, right right under Scottsdale, that area there. It, 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 I think it is, uh, but it's only two hours difference, so the jet lag was not bad at all. It's a little bit more difficult our trip to Oregon, which was a three-hour uh, time zone di- distance. It was a little harder, and it took a little bit longer to get Uh, to make that trip coming back is where we experienced the jet lag. And then uh, earlier before the Oregon trip, a couple of weeks ago, we had the Alaska conference and that's four hours. And that was somewhat brutal coming back. It took me a good week and a half to get over my Alaska trip as much as I enjoy going. And I do love going. We've been twice. We've led two conferences there and they've been amazing every both times uh, but the trip is a little rough coming back, and so I was glad that we are only two-hour time zone difference to Mexico, and so that was fantastic. And so basically, Monday, the first Monday was uh, uh, all in the air. We went from Greenville to Atlanta, from Atlanta to Mexico City, from Mexico City to Culacon, and then Culacon, Tap, we met Tap in Culacon, and and he drove us about, uh, maybe a couple of hours to uh, Alway, which is where we spent most of our time. And so uh, Monday was an orientation day, just getting there and meeting Tap, uh physically. I have known him for a couple of years, maybe longer. He is a supporting member of our website. He loves our resources and has been using them for a long time. He told me when I was there that, you know, I've taught a lot of your material here to our church, and I was very glad to hear that, and I hope more of you will do that as well. Uh, our My articles are really lessons. You can take them and print them off and just highlight them, different uh, lines and sentences, paragraphs, and just work right through them, and you can teach them in a Sunday school class, a small group setting. You can preach them. They're ready made and they're crafted well and they, they follow a nice story arc and, and Tap has been doing that and so he's been envisioning his people with our materials for a while and and I was glad to hear that that he was doing that. I'm glad that he has been has been partnering with us and been part of our community over the past Few years. But we spent Tuesday and Wednesday with Tamp and his family talking, sightseeing about Mexico, learning about Mexico, the culture, uh, and about the church that he leads. These days were crucial. They're crucial for me whenever I go into a conference. I want to spend time talking to the leader or the leaders of the ministry where we are so that I can think about and pray about how best to serve those people. I don't like planning in a dogmatic way, in an absolute way, before I get to the place where I'm going, because each community, each church, each people group, they're different. And you can take the same lesson and and teach it in three, four, five different places, but you have to change it because the needs are different. And I didn't know the Mexican culture. I didn't know the specific people at Bethel Baptist Church in Alway. And so I wanted to spend time with Tap and Denise and Brian and Deanna and to learn the culture and get to meet the people. For example, Tap told me that the Mexican culture is a matriarchal, primarily a matriarchal culture where the women lead part of it is it's just part of the culture this is what they do part of it is that many of the men are passive uh, that they, they don't work and or, or they don't lead is what i mean and the women do it uh, plus, many of the men see religion as a woman's thing. That's what women do, and we don't do that. And so you'll find more women in in religion, whether it's Christianity or otherwise, and you'll find women doing more leading, and that's just what they do. Uh, it's not an absolute across-the-board thing, but it is a general idea, and so it was important. So when Lucia taught uh, at Sunday school on Sunday morning, Uh, She taught on one of my lessons on how to lead from behind, how to, as a wife, as a mother, how to lead your husband, how how to do that from a submitted position. It's an important thing. And, of course, we have this passivity problem also in the States. And so it was important for me to spend time with TAP and learning the culture, uh, the culture in large as far as Mexico is concerned, uh these Hispanic people, and then also in Bethel Baptist Church. And so we flew, traveled all day on Monday. We spent Tuesday and Wednesday becoming enculturated and, and going to different sites around Alway and the outlying areas. And then the conference began on Thursday night and it ran through Sunday morning. I spoke one time on Thursday night. I spoke one time on Friday night, and then Saturday morning I talked to the men in a special meeting, which was really good, by the way. Uh, Tap asked me to share my testimony, which I did. And then that after uh, that afternoon, I led the youth meeting as I encouraged them about life decisions. and And some of these meetings were interactive, though there was a definite translation barrier. Uh, there there was some interaction to where questions were, were asked, and at the youth meeting particularly, they did ask questions. At the men's meeting, there were some excellent questions that were asked by the men. And then Sunday morning, I taught the men, and Lucia led the ladies in a time of instruction and And because they have a small facility, uh, Lucia took the main auditorium room to teach the ladies, and they had air conditioning out there. And then uh, we went outside, uh, the men, and we taught outside. In fact, I have a photograph here in the show notes that you can look at where I I was teaching the men on on Sunday morning. Uh, They had a whiteboard, which was awesome. Uh, fantastic for me because it's it's virtually impossible for me to teach without drawing pictures whether I'm counseling somebody or I'm teaching in a greater context I I need to draw pictures and it really helped in in this uh, context uh, because there is a language difference I would say that 95 to 98 percent of the church spoke Spanish exclusively there were a just a small, just a handful of folks that could uh, speak and hear English. And, and so I had to speak through a translator. And that was fine. It worked out great. But on Sunday morning, I, I taught the men. Lucia led the ladies. And then I spoke at the preaching service. And then Sunday night, we went to the church where Tapp and Denise will be leading very soon. And I taught at that Sunday night church meeting. Mexico was like all of our conferences and I asked the folks I asked TAP I said use me up this is what I tell everybody when I go to a conference somewhere I said I want you to use me up during the week because I want to be exhausted for the sake of the gospel I want to crawl out of this town totally exhausted depleted and and TAP took me up on that it's it's, it's, the same thing happened and. In Oregon, they they took me up on it too, and by the time I finished Sunday night, I was as we say here in the Southern states, I was whooped. By the time I lay down Sunday night in our hotel room in Kulacon, Tap and Denise took us to Kulacon, which was uh, it was an hour or so away, and that's where the airport is, and that's why we flew into Kulacon, we flew out of Kulacon and so he took us there and we stayed in a hotel that was the only time that we stayed in a hotel while we were in Mexico. I don't like staying in hotels if I can get if I can get away from it. I prefer to stay with the people and it's also less expensive for people to put us up in their homes as opposed to putting us up in a hotel. But I want to be with the people. I mean saving expense on them is is important, but I wanna be with the people. It's part of what I was saying earlier. I want to learn the people. And you can learn the people when you spend time with them, talking to them. And so we stayed in in Tapp's old house where Brian and Deanna stay, where they live. And so they had a room. They have three children and their children are very young. They're they're like two to five years old of age, something like that. They have uh, uh, two boys and a girl. And, of course, at that age, they're quite resilient, and their little kids could sleep anywhere, and they were very excited. They were super hospitable, the children and Brian and Deanna. And so we had two rooms and our own bathroom. It was really wonderful. And so we stayed there. But Sunday night, Tap dropped us off at the hotel so we could be near the airport in Kulikon. And the children, my children said that I went to sleep immediately. In fact, Hayden, my son, asked Tristan, "'Is that Dad?' He was referring to my snoring in the other room of the hotel. They weren't sure if a plane was landing or if there was a machine running in my bedroom. I may or may not snore loud. My children tell me that I do. I don't believe them. I've never heard myself snoring. But I was, I was dead to the world. And as soon as I lay down, they said, Dad, you going to take a shower? I said, no, I'm, I'm going to bed. And I lay down. I'll take a shower tomorrow. Uh, but they took their showers and brushed their teeth and uh, stayed up for a little bit but i was gone i when my head hit the pillow i was out and i was snoring like a log and so it was good they took uh, tap took me up on it and he fully exhausted me for the week but i was glad it was a joy to serve them uh, to speak eight times in four days uh, it was a lot it was a lot of talking but it was really good as far as Mexico is concerned, uh, in the area of creature comforts, let's just say that Mexico is a little bit different from how life here is in the States. Mexico has a subtle way of reminding you, or maybe not so subtle, how mighty my sins of grumbling and complaining are. Let me give you an example, a few examples. Uh, like there's no water pressure uh, when you take a shower, the water just falls out of the shower head. It does not matter which handle you use to turn the water on because either hand, handle, the right or the left handle, it's going to give you uh, cold water, and that's just the way it is. They have, they do have a device on the shower head. It's an electrical device, that, uh, so it's an elaborate shower head is what it is, and it can warm up the water. And so the process uh, for taking a shower is you turn the water on, one, and then you shift Uh, You turn on the switch on the shower head, uh, and that warms it up. And then you take a shower, and then you turn the water off. Now, this is important. You turn the water off, and then you turn off the power switch on the shower head. If you get these last two steps backwards, you might get electrocuted. That's what Brian told me. I think he was serious when he told me that. So you turn the water off first and then you turn the shower head, the electrical component on the shower head, you turn it off. And so that's a little bit different here in the States. I took a shower last night when I got home and I must say there's something nice about water pressure when it just beats down on you. You feel like you're knocking the dirt off your body and it feels good to have water. Water pressure. Another little thing that's different as far as creature comforts is you don't put your toilet paper uh, in the toilet. It goes in a little trash can that's beside your toilet. Now we it was the same in Peru when we went to Peru and did a conference there a few years ago. Uh, the water water pressure is a beautiful thing. Denise Tamp's wife told me when she visited the states and she nearly jumped out of her skin when she flushed the toilet because it was so loud. They're just used to things being differently uh, in Mexico, and and they don't have a problem with it. They love living there. Everybody loves all the folks that we uh, talk to. Uh, they love being there and living there even though they don't have the same creature comforts that that we have. And so the the toilet paper and using the restroom is is different. The shower is different. When you brush your teeth, you use bottled water, which basically you take bottled water, you put it in your mouth, you get a mouthful of water, you brush your teeth while that water is in your mouth and then you spit and then you repeat as often as you want to. but you don't you don't drink. The water, you have bottled water, and Brian and Deanna, they have these five-gallon uh, containers uh, in their kitchen, and we just fill up our water bottles repeatedly and drink water throughout the day. And then there are the roosters. There's a lot of roosters in Mexico, or let me say there's a lot of roosters in in Alway, and they start early in the morning, and they crow all day long. And I don't I don't mind it all day long, but early in the morning can be somewhat of a Of a nuisance. And then they have these Mexican entrepreneurs, these Mexican business people. What they do is they drive slowly down these streets throughout Aue in the mornings and they shout through a loudspeaker and they're selling stuff. It's in Mexican, of course. Everything's in Mexican. I'm not sure uh, what they're selling because I don't understand the Mexican language as well as I wish I could. But I did ask Brian, I said, what, what was that guy selling that was going down the street? Oh, he's selling water watermelons. Or the next guy in a pickup truck, he's selling petroleum and gasoline and everything else. It, it's kind of like Amazon, uh, except it's a little different. You run out of your home, you stop one of those a uh, gentleman in a truck, and and then you make the exchange. You buy whatever he's sa- selling, whatever it is that you you need. Uh, we have noise rules here in the states, and so we don't do that kind of thing. I was telling my children if someone came through our neighborhood every day yelling like that through a loudspeaker, uh, we Americans would have a definite problem. Uh, with it. But Mexico doesn't have as many rules as we do here in the States. For example, I I didn't wear my seatbelt all week. Now, I'm going to tell you, I I have to say that I enjoyed not buckling up. Uh, It was kind of nice. It reminded me when I was a kid, and so we didn't buckle up. There's a lot of things that are different, but I think the thing that's most rebuking about our trip in in Mexico was the happiness of the Christians there in our way, including the children. The kids between the ages of three and seven years of age, they were noticeably content, even though they had so much less than the kids here in the States. And the adults were similar. They loved God, and their love for God practically transcends the creature comforts. And so it, it was... Not mildly, but it was strongly. It was it was rebuking. Uh, to be around these people and the affection that they had for Christ, the affection for each other, their desire to want to learn, and the things that they didn't have. And then there were the Mex- there's the Mexican food, which was fabulous. I gained just a little bit over two pounds in a week, which is not bad. They don't eat cereal down there. They have it, and some do on occasion when they're really, really in a hurry. <laughs> in a hurry in Mexico, it's kind of interesting they're not in a hurry Uh, They eat real food morning, noon and night. And of course, the Mexican clock is a little bit different than the Mexican clock. They eat later in the morning. We had lunch around 2 p.m. most every day. And then we ate after the church meetings, which was around eight o'clock or or later a couple of nights. It was difficult for me to sleep because I was still digesting my dinner. Hispanic, uh, Mexican is my favorite food in all the world. I think I could eat myself into oblivion. It is excellent. Mexican people know how to prepare their meals. Let's just say this ain't Taco Bell anymore. As far as the teaching, uh, TAP had all my lessons translated, which means a typical hour of teaching is about 30 minutes because each statement, each phrase, each sentence that you make is translated into Spanish. And you can't speak for a long time at any point because, again, it has to be translated, and my translator needs to know what I'm saying. So I have to speak in short phrases or short sentences. It went mostly well, though there were a few funny moments. The funniest is when Tap leaned over to this hard-to-hear Mexican man and asked him, can you hear me? He asked him in English. He said it in English. And the guy was staring at him, so what you do when somebody doesn't understand you is you just talk a little bit louder. So Tap said it louder, and then he realized that he was asking the man in English, not Spanish, and we all laughed. I had three translators, Tap, Brian, the son, and Arno. Arno leads a seminary in Rosarita, Mexico, which is near the American border, is many hours away from Sinaloa. Arno brought a team of students down who served the church all week. They they were a huge blessing because of all the cleaning, the prep, the cooking, the child care, and the other church needs. They painted. They swept. They did a lot of things. These students were heroes. They also sang at all the meetings that we were in. And so they did a lot, and they were wonderful. And my children had a great time with them because all of them were between, you know, like... 14 and 34 years of age, and so they were young folks, and and my children enjoyed them immensely. The church received my teaching well. There, there were at least five other churches, maybe more, I'm not exactly sure, but they joined us at different times, at different meetings, and so I got to meet several pastors at other church and other church leaders during the week, uh, and there were two other groups that made this conference possible, and I'll close with this, but Our ministry team at rickthomas.net, they are the folks that run our ministry while I'm away, and without them, we would not be able to travel to these churches and do these conferences. They serve quietly, behind the scenes, helping the thousands of people who come to us daily looking for help. Our ministry never stops helping people because of folks in need of our resources every day throughout the year. We never stop serving People and there was a time that I could not take a, uh, go on these meetings, go to these trips, and do uh, conferences at local churches like in Alway, Sinaloa, Mexico. We didn't have the team to respond to the day-to-day uh, needs of those who serve. So, for those of you in my team, thank you so much for running this video you don't need me that's kind of sad you don't need me but you can run the ministry but the second group is our supporting ministry our supporting community we i do not charge for uh, these churches when i come speak other than paying for our travel expenses it is our supported community that underwrites these travel travels tabs church could not pay for us to come to mexico and and though He would not tell you this. He paid for part of our airfare because he loves our resources and he wanted me to come. And so without our supporters, there would be no way for us to go and serve our brothers and sisters in Mexico. And so thank you for my team that runs the ministry, and thank you also for the supporting community. You helped us. You helped this church, people that you will never see in Mexico, not until you get to heaven, but you were very much a part of this. Now, if you're not a supporter of our ministry, I'd ask you to pray about it, how you can partner with us and help us so that we can continue to help people around the world. You can read all that I've said here in the show notes, episode 134, titled Eight Days in Mexico.